Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie, our weekly look ahead to the biggest action of the sporting weekend in association with Labrooks. And none bigger this weekend really than the uh, old firm of Irish rugby, Munster versus Leinster in the Pro 14. Delighted to be joined for the first time in 2021 by Stephen Ferris. Stevie, how are you doing? You look forward to this one. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's uh, what a crazy couple of months, eh? In the rugby calendar, what a crazy couple of months in general. But yeah. it's brilliant that we have something to look forward to. Massive disappointment at the European Games. You know, me and you have been in contact, Nick, about you know chatting through some mm. of the huge clashes that were coming up. You know, the likes of Monster very much in the mix, especially with their huge win over Claremont. And then, of course, all that gets binned, and who knows how that competition is going to finish. But um, with that couple of week break and teams having to make up games, then of course that pre- presents itself a great opportunity for Munster and Leinster to go head to head this weekend. And um, you know, Connor also playing against the Ospreys, Edinburgh against Zebra, and uh, Scarlets against Cardiff. So mm. you know, it's brilliant for the Pro 14, and I think it gives everybody something to look forward to. You know, uh, everybody kind of starting to talk about. You know, the rugby again instead of the doom and gloom there 10 days ago when all the European stuff, cup, uh, all the European cup stuff was, was being binned. So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy, Mick, and it's ever changing, like as we've always talked about. You know, we'll get this game out of the way, and then, you know, you have the Six Nations headache of, of how that goes, or yeah. certain players, you know, when they keep in their bubbles, and we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But just the, on your point there, it's brilliant that we have a, a big game of rugby this weekend, and by all accounts, both teams are going to be going pretty much full strength um, and it'll be a fierce competition and a game and I'm extremely looking forward to. Yeah, and that's exactly the point is that it looks like both teams will go full strength. That was what I was going to ask you. Like, you know, outside of the, what was a real disappointment, the kick in the teeth really about the European events, kind of coming off the back of that, what we had was a really brilliant Christmas period where more or less you saw full strength Irish teams going at each other for the first time in a long time, really. And, I don't know. I, for me, I think the, the Pro 14 has been revitalised. I feel like it, it, it's rare it's been as relevant. And I wonder, is it the the kind of the top two, you know, uh, no playoffs and just have the kind of Conference A versus Conference B final and it's kind of more all to play for and there's less room for, um, there's less room for error. But there's also, there's like, there's more competition, it seems like, you know, Ulster really putting it up to Leinster, making sure that they're on top of their game so, so that this match is huge for Leinster at the weekend, you know. Um, but it's been, it was really, really refreshing to see, I don't know if you like the Ulster Leinster game was probably the highlight of it. I thought Connacht and Munster in the sports ground were in like really, you know, like you could see the coldness on the TV, even you know, in the sports ground on a, on a Christmas night. And it was just everything like a good interpro should be, really. Yeah, it definitely was. I think the games over the festive period um, were pretty good quality. And mm. you know, I know all the, the English pundits out there and um, you know, people that have played in England before sometimes run down the Pro 14 for, for not having the best best standards consistently week in, week out. And I think that's because, you know, we've had the Southern Kings and the Cheetahs and, and you know, thankfully Zebra and, and Benetton seem to be coming on a little bit, but over previous years they've been weaker sides as well. So, you know, the likes of Leinster, Munster, Ulster and a few other, maybe Edinburgh as well, have, have rested big big players and used those, um, those games as not that they're non-events, but it, it was an opportunity to give other lads 
um, you know, time in the shop window for for their province or for their club. And um, it's it's good to see that you know the standard of the Pro 14 has been reasonably high over the last few weeks. And you know, long may that continue. And I think this weekend will showcase again. And I, I don't actually know, Mick. It's it's a good talking point, and I'm not sure what your opinion is on it. And I know English clubs, teams, coaches, you know, past players, you know. They seem to run down the Pro 14 for some reason, and you know, say it's not this quality. It's not like it's not as good as the top 14. You know, if Munster mm. played Claremont and Claremont, you know, they'd, they'd absolutely destroy them. And then, like you know, Munster go and beat Claremont and Claremont, and um, yeah. you know, Leinster just have been steamrolling everybody in the European Cup for the last few years. And I know that Saracens fixture last year was, um, you know, was a shock to everyone. But it just feels that uh, you know the Pro 14 teams in particular probably don't get the credit that they deserve mm. um and if they were playing in a, a gallagher premiership style league week in week out you know where would ulster be where would Connacht be in that league and you know the yes of course the standard week in week out is a bit higher um but i still think they'd compete and i still think they'd be competing for honors come the end of the this the season if they were in that type of league but um yeah just the Go back again i suppose it's brilliant to see that the standard's been high and um you know this weekend i'm thoroughly looking forward to a high frantic you know balls on the line uh performance from both sides because you know leinster are getting into this match favorites like mm. you know in, in thoman park very rarely does a team go into a match favorites and there's only three points in the handicap um also leinster have got it all to do you know that the play Ulster in Belfast. There's still a couple of games to be played, um, so it could go either way. But yeah, the quality's been good, and hopefully that can t- keeps the continuing. Yeah, and they've got catch-up matches to play as well. So after after this, they're playing the Scarlets um, before the Six Nations, and then obviously the, the games that will happen afterwards. So it's it's a busy few weeks for Leinster. And if they don't win to if they don't win at this weekend, they're going to have to put more into those games. And I think they they'd probably want with you know losing so many um, internationals and stuff like that before the Six Nations. So it's a huge one. Uh, I was delighted when I was watching the news last night and I saw Johan van Graan having a cheeky go at Leo Cullen's comments about, uh, you know, saying that, that for all for all Munster's criticism or for all Leo Cullen's criticism of Munster's style of play in the in the, in the Pro 14 <laughs> semi-final last year, that Leinster were, were using a little bit of that themselves against Ulster a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I just think that having a little bit of needle in this fixture, even between the coaches, is absolutely no harm at all and it's actually pretty good to see from, from a spectator's point of view anyway. Yeah, it definitely is. And you don't really get that from Van Graan, you know, that much. No. He, he's quite, um, you know, even in, in his interviews, it's two, three-word answers, you know, and then it's next question, two, three-word answers, next question. doesn't give that much away. And even it started there a couple of weeks ago, Dan McFarland got into Leo Cullen before the Leinster-Ulster game about, you know, some of the players that have been, um, he had been using down south and, you know, the, the player group that Leo Cullen has to pick from and, Blah blah blah, and it was just good to see a wee bit of needle there. And then, of course, when it came to the match, um, Leinster obviously ran out victorious in the second half. But it's good to see that, and and I suppose it it adds a little bit more fuel to the fire. You know, there's no fans there. The importance of this, you know, everybody's banging on about it. The no fans thing, like I've been to matches over the last couple of months, and I'm sure it's so difficult for for players to to get themselves up for it, but. To get yourself up for an interpro, two teams full bore, both coaches ready and and firing, a little bit of needle during the week. You know the the intensity in training, I'm sure, has went up a couple of notches. 
Um, there's a lot more on the line here for Leinster. If Leinster don't win this match, you know, Ulster will be rubbing their hands. That Leinster Connacht game was brilliant. You know, Jack Cardy, man of the match, pulling all the strings, bonus point win for Connacht. You know, Ulster fans, myself included, was just brilliant to see. And it opened up the competition once more yeah. because everybody was just like six weeks ago, everybody's oh, sure it's Leinster Monster final. And then all of a sudden Connacht creep up on Munster a little bit. And if Connor had been able to get over the line against Munster in the sports ground, geez, it would have been a brilliant end to the Pro 14 season. But um, yeah, it's a huge game and there's a bit of needle all around. And yeah, we might see a bit of that in the match as well. Well, hopefully. Yeah, I suppose I suppose you're right in that, like, you know, with like Munster winning again that game against Connacht, they have that little bit of breathing space now. So it might not technically mean as much to them, but I suppose the place Munster have been in in this competition with Leinster over the last God, you're probably talking nearly 10 years at this stage. It's always going to mean something to them if they're going to play with their full-strength teams in Thomond Park. So I think that kind of evens it out in a way. And I, I suppose I remember us having a conversation, I think the week after that semi-final, where I was tearing my hair out at Munster's you know, tactics and the box kicking. And you were actually quite adamant that Munster were you know, showing real signs of development and ready to, to go on to that next step. And I think you, you said they'd be the surprise of the season this year. And so far, you've definitely been borne out. And I think the reason you were saying it was like, that is the only way that that Leinster team, at least last year, could have been beaten. And Munster didn't do the job, but they came closer than anybody else, as it turns out, um, except for Saracens. <laughs> but in... in, in um, Saracens used a similar tactic. Exactly, yeah. As you, as you, similar tactic. They didn't go out and play too much rugby against Leinster. And when you go out and play too much rugby, it's you're watching the Manchester United versus Liverpool game the other night, and everybody's, you know, probably myself included, frustrating to watch for periods of the match. But like Man United had the two best chances to win that game in the 75th and 85th minute, Pogba and whoever else, mm. uh, Martial with, with, with the chances. And that's exactly what Munster had was JJ Hanrahan had two penalties to. To draw the game and you know with five minutes left on the clock god knows what happens and as a coach that's exactly what scenario you want to pan out and unfortunately those kicks didn't go over and in the saracens game you know they nudged themselves ahead early on and then they they fought back against the onslaught of leinster in the second half and were able to nudge over another couple of kicks i think it was good landed a couple of really long distance ones so yeah i i think monster tactically probably got it right you know, against mm. Leinster last year in that semi-final. Um, but I think that they've come on. Their game has evolved slightly. Uh, Delende and Farrell seem to have built up a great partnership. Wouldn't it have been brilliant to see Snyman in the second row just add that um, bit, bit of power as well in there. But you know, we'll have to wait a bit longer for that. Yeah. Do they, you know, if, if they both meet in the final again, will, will they use the same tactics? I think it'll be similar, but... I do feel that their attacking threat is is a bit better at the minute, um, and their defensive qualities have come on a, a good bit as well. So, yeah, it's it's all set up to be um, hopefully a, a great finish to the season. And mm. I certainly feel that I don't I'm not sure why Leinster are favourites this weekend, Mick. Um, yeah. with, with the bookies, if I was going going with a prediction on this match now, the teams haven't been announced, but you know. You're fairly sure you could, you think both teams would be 80, 90% of their first team starters. I, I would be back in Munster. Like, um, okay. I know that the players 
thrive on the on the atmosphere down at Thoman Park and and you know the crowd really get behind them in those small moments in the matches. But in saying that, it doesn't feel like Leinster are firing on all cylinders. And it hasn't done for the last couple of weeks, even against Ulster. Like I know they ran away with it in the second half. Ulster folded like a deck chair, you know, a couple of mistakes. But for me, I just feel Munster are bringing this edge to their game, this clinical know how to get it get it done, you know. And um, that's the Munster of old that we all know and um, mm. you know recognise from Paul O'Connell and O'Gara and Stringer and. Um, you know the rest of the lads back in those days. So for me, I don't, I don't know about you. Um, yeah, edging towards Monster for this one. Well, it's a big call. Um, the uh, just the Claremont win for Monster, as you said, like they're they're showing signs all year of like evolution. You know that maybe that was the only way they could be or go close to Leinster last year, but maybe they have a few more tricks up their sleeve. They've kind of come on a step or two, as you mentioned, since last year. But how much of that? in your experience, would come down to belief. So you go and actually get that result in Claremont, the borderline, another monster miracle match that we have every few years. And then you're kind of thinking, Jesus, maybe this is going somewhere. Maybe this isn't all just an illusion until we come up into the big games. Now we're actually winning the big games as well. And then then you bring it to this week, then you bring it to the final, then you bring it to maybe the, the, the quarterfinals of the Champions Cup later on in the year. Yeah, and I think... They've got their forward pack sorted out. The last couple of years, Monsters forward pack haven't been dominating games, especially at home. Like they haven't been the dominant force that we're used to seeing. And you know, I'm just actually looking at the team sheet here that um, started that game away in Claremont. Like you know, Josh Witcherly at, uh, at loose head prop starting that match. Not a lot of experience, but you know, how much did he learn in that match? You know, Reese Marshall. Yes, he's been around the block for a while, but. You know, Jean Klein, it's brilliant to see that the two second rows that are coming in, Tag Byrne, who's been man of the match a couple of times over the last six weeks. And what about Gavin Coombs? You know, he's been probably the player of the Pro 14 this season, scoring tries for fun. And, you know, Pete's obviously switching over to seven a bit more. Will we see him in the seven jersey for Ireland? Uh, I know Van der Fleer and a couple of other lads might have something to say about that. And CJ Stander, if he can get back to... Know, the player that, that he was there you know a number of months ago then they really are a forward pack to compete with with yeah. a lot of teams and they grind and they grind and they grind they bang the door and keep banging it and that's exactly what they did in Claremont you know that Northampton game where uh Rods you know hit that last minute drop goal in Thoman Park to win that game where you know it was phase after phase after phase they just never, ever, ever lie down. And it doesn't matter matter if it's the 80th minute or was it 27 minutes or something, there were 20 points down in the mm. game in Claremont. They back themselves, get behind the sticks, right, guys? We get try and get the next score. If we get three points, we get seven points. We get a foothold in this game. Where's the weakness here in the Claremont side, right? We're going to go after this a bit more in the second half. And, you know, some of the young lads as well got to be given credit and, you know, I think Munster are a dangerous side. I said at the start of the season, Mickey, you know, you had me on and you said, you know, who's your team looking forward this year? And I said Munster. Um, just the coaching credentials that, you know, Graham Roundtree and um, the other lads have, Stephen Larkin have. And as the pitches get drier, the weather gets better coming into this Rainbow Cup for next year, I think it's only going to suit them. Um, and, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it'd be brilliant to see a, a full Thoman Park um, and you know, hopefully a few months' time cheering on a monster team that are 
playing a really good brand of rugby and dominating teams once again. And that's why I think where's Munster's confidence at the minute? I think it's 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 really up here, Mick, and where's mm-hmm. Leicester's? I think they're they're not far away, but you know, a little bit of dip in form, a lot of chopping and changing over the last couple of matches, especially in that Connick game. There's players playing out of position all over the place. Um you know, Ring Rose side injured again. You know, it's good to see Big Tag Furlong coming, hopefully coming back again over the next few weeks. So, yeah, yeah, it just seems they're a wee bit all over the place. So that's why I'm again edging towards Monster. Very interesting. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm alarmed as a, a Monster fan to hear <laughs> to being tipped here. You want them to come in on the radar, but Monster plus three is uh, I want what you're for the win because, like, then it gives Ulster a better chance. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> There's bias all over the place on this yeah. on this show today. Um, Steve, before I let you go, uh, you mentioned Furlong there. Uh, I, I think this weekend will come too soon for him, but like. As an Irish fan, you're like, thank God we're seeing signs of life at last. You know, um, from the Munster side of things, Dave Kilcoyne is in a similar situation. He's back in training again this weekend, probably too soon, but, you know, back in contention for the Six Nations squad. How much of a Six Nations trial uh, will um, this weekend be for Andy Farrell or his decisions already made up? And then once you get into to camp, you start thinking about uh, selections. Yeah. First of all, it's brilliant to see Big Furlong. He's, he's out doing a bit of training, isn't he? And yeah. um, I couldn't actually believe it when I read it. Like it's coming up to a year since he's talked out. You know, a year is a long time. Like I retired, I think I was out for 15 months before I hung up the boots, 16 months, something like that. Like it's not that much longer. And I just hope that all the rehab strength work that he's doing, um, you know, puts him in the right place for coming back. And He's such a good player and he's such a you know a big player not only for, for Leinster Ireland but also the British and Irish Lions that hopefully have a tour just around the corner. And he's a cornerstone in that uh, in that team for sure. So he'll definitely not be rushed back. He has to be one hundred percent before taking the pitch again. And it's brilliant just to see the odd pitcher that's been knocking around for one or two photographers that have been led into training over the last um, you know, a couple of weeks as he's back in there. And, you know, touching on the other, you know, is this a bit of a shop window for Andy Farrell? I think it probably is. You know, some guys playing, looking for form. Some guys are very much in form. Well, the likes of Gavin Coombs get a Six Nations call-up. You know, geez, if you were picking on form, he would probably be in the first 10 or 15 names out of the squad of 30 that you, you might pick. So, um, yeah, Andy Farrell will be watching on for sure, um, as well Mike Cat and uh, you know Simon Easterby and of course now Paul O'Connell uh, involved in the Irish coaching setup, mm. which I think is a huge, huge plus. You know Paul's not only a great guy, um, you know, somebody that I have so much time for, but like he coached Ireland for more than well when I say coached Ireland, he coached the line out. He probably coached me individually and on learning the line out. Um, putting time and effort into video analysis on opposition and triggers to look out for. You know, he probably coached me more than what Gert Small did, like wow. as as a as a rugby player and trying to better my small skills because the lineout was probably one of my the, the weakest areas of of my game. And, and Paul made sure that um, first of all that I knew that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and secondly that if I was to get better, I had to work on it. And you know. Like I remember him balls me out in training, like, Fez, it's just not good enough. You got the call wrong. You know, what are you doing? 
friggin' get this done. And many times we have to go through it. And like, that was just him keeping me on my toes. So <laughs> after the session, I would go in and I would look up the movement and would come to him for advice or go to Gerd or go to, um, you know, Nalo or whoever it was at the time. So it's, that's a brilliant appointment. And just to go back on the, the coaching setup, they'll be very much looking at this game and, and seeing who is really sticking their hand up for selection. And, um, you know, it, it's a brilliant opportunity for some people to, to make a statement. Um, and, and I'm really working the game down. We're, we're working, yeah. working it from studio. There's going to be a lot of in this match, Mick, um, from not Ireland, but across the, the whole British and Irish Isles because it's a huge contest and hopefully they give us, the both teams give us a good game of rugby. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Listen, I was going to let you go, but quickly, I just wanted to, I, I heard Ron Nogara on uh, the, the, somewhere the day after, um, the day after O'Connell got the appointment and they were talking about, he, he said he was watching back the video of the, uh, of the, uh, you know, the famous speech that he made in the dressing room of like, you know, the, um, I can't even remember what he said there. It was like, would you do... Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, the you, know you know the one I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm having a complete me- mental block on it. But uh, uh, he was saying, it's so funny to watch that back now and it's lovely. But at the time, he didn't know what the big deal was because that was one of a thousand Paul O'Connell speeches that he heard over the course of his career. And obviously, he's with him at club level. But, but Paul, he was always that guy in the dressing room, was he, with the big, the big yeah, motivating speech like, before you go out? He was, Mick. Do you know what? He... he um... He, like when it came to rugby, he was so serious. Um, what's what? It's sorry, he was so intense. Like yeah. just lived, breathed it. Um, as soon as training, bang, he switched on, and he didn't switch off until the whistle blew. And you know, you find that with the the leaders. You know, not so much me or maybe the likes of. Maybe even Shawnee O'Brien or something. We'd had a, we'd still had a bit of crack and training and slagging each other, yeah. and, you know, throwing the ball around or messing about a bit more. But like Paul, you know, everything. He's a perfectionist, uh, and like you know, some of his some of his speeches. The I remember just sitting you know, when he was captain, sitting like a the captain's meeting, which maybe happened the day before, where we would run through with Mervyn Murphy, run through like the weather report, referee, you know, what he's hot on and um, what he's not, go through a game plan a little bit. And then the co- like two or three of the coaches who were there would walk out and would sit in a circle. Um, and Paul or Draco, whoever it was at the time, would, would, would talk a, a bit more about, you know, individual responsibility, you know, what we're going to bring, you know, Stevie, you're bringing this, that and the other. Rog, we need this from you. Rory, we need your leadership. We need 100% of the line out this week. You know, just small things like that. But, like, he always finished off with something that when you were walking out the door, you could have played a rugby match as soon as you walked out the door. You know, my blood was pumping. My heart rate was up. I had a really good feeling in my my bones about that we were going to do well. And I think that's a really good sign as a a leader. Um, And I think even getting into the coaching, that – when he speaks, you listen, Mick. Like he's just—he's just honestly, he's one of those voices. If you walked into a room full of hundred thousand people, and he got up and he started talking on the microphone, everybody would just listen to him. And the the way he, you know, he gets points across. Um, he's a very smart lad as well, and as I say, a lot of time for him. So personally, I wish him all the very best in the coaching game. We all know how tough it can be. So 
fingers crossed, results go his way. He's able to implement some of the things that he wants to do uh, with the team. Uh, I'm sure Andy Farrell, he, he's a young coach himself, so he'll be giving Paul O'Connell time to do that. But yeah, Paul's a, an exceptional leader, um, a great talisman, um, a great professional, uh, and a good bloke. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the, the international setup. And, you know, some of the, just to go back, some of the coaching, you know, people going, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't have. He doesn't have enough experience. You know, he went to Stade Francais and he didn't get the results he wanted and apparently fell out with the coach and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the Ireland A or the Ireland under 20 stuff didn't go, you know, exactly the way we want it. To be honest, I think that doesn't matter. You know, I think everything that he's done over the last couple of years will stand him in good stead to, to, to be a really good coach at international level. So, um, yeah, exciting times for him and, and for Ireland. And, you know, we'll keep the head down and, and, and keep backing and supporting him uh, like he did for me uh, when I was trying to lift people on the line out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're all excited about it. And we're excited about this game as well. You're popping for uh, for uh, Munster plus three um, on Saturday night for that game. You'll be covering it. Um, uh, we'll be watching it uh, from Tongan Park. If you are having a bet on anything, please do gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. Stevie, thanks a million. We'll chat to you um, in the next couple of weeks, I'd say, because we've got a Six Nations to look forward to. Cheers, Mick. Thanks, Mel. Thanks very much. And we'll be back with you for more build-up next week.